Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast. I am your host, Dr. Russ Kennedy. I call myself the Anxiety MD because I'm an MD who struggled with anxiety for many years. And I don't want you to have to struggle with it the way that I did, because you don't have to. I have a revolutionary new way of looking at anxiety, which is basically it's more about physiology than it's about psychology. Physiology in that it creates this alarm in our system. When we have trauma as children, we can't handle it as children. So what we do is we push it down into our bodies. And then we don't want to go back into our bodies because, of course, that's where the trauma is. So we push this negative energy. If you were abused, abandoned, rejected, bullied as a child, we pull that energy together and we push it down into our body so that we don't have to deal with it in our mind. And then as a coping strategy, we stay in our heads. We overthink, we ruminate, we stay in our heads because we don't want to go down into the body where the feelings are because that's just too painful. So I want to talk about uncertainty today and why we hate uncertainty. It's mostly because if you had childhood trauma, childhood wounding, uncertainty was excruciating for you as a child and you probably didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So you had to really just internalize it yourself and try and fix it yourself. And you can't fix it yourself because you're a child. And when we're faced with uncertainty now in our adult lives, often because the amygdala, this little fear center in our brain, has no sense of time, it transports us back to that same helpless, powerless place we were when we were children. So we go back to this place that we're, you know, 5, 7, 10, 12 years old trying to deal with adult problems now. And I've said it before, all overreactions are age regressions. So if you see someone who's reacting way in excess of what the situation would demand or ask for, chances are they're in an age regression. And when this happens in couples, then you've got two seven-year-olds trying to argue with each other, and uh, that's not going to go well. As Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? Not going to do very well. So uncertainty is one of those things that we avoid at all costs. We have tremendous resistance to uncertainty. And that's what hurts us. It's not so much the issue, and Gabor Mate talks about that too. It's not so much the trauma, and also so does somatic experiencing founder Peter Levine, Dr. Peter Levine. He talks about it's not so much the trauma that happens to us, it's the reaction that our body creates from that trauma. And then that reaction gets ingrained over the course of our childhoods, and we develop these accommodations, whether that be worry, OCD, eating disorders, whatever, to try and avoid the pain that's locked in our body in this sense of alarm. So uncertainty for us is really, really difficult. I have a friend right now whose father just passed away, and he, he had a chronic illness for many, many years and was very unhappy for many, many years. And she was really struggling with, you know, the relief she was feeling at his passing. And, you know, she loved him. He was, he was, you know, her father and she really cared for him. But as he got older, he got more and more negative and more and more difficult to be around. And it reminded her of a time in her childhood where it was very uncertain. So the pain took her back to that same place of uncertainty. And what I said to her was this, it's not so much your father passing away and you're feeling relief around that. It's your resistance to both feeling the negative of him fall, passing away and feeling the positive of having some relief that now his suffering is over. And her situation and my situation were very similar. 
You know, when my dad committed suicide when I was 26 and he was 52, there was a tremendous sense of relief as well as grief, of course. But I, I had grieved his loss for many years leading up to it because he was just getting mentally and physically more and more sick over time. So when he finally passed away due to his own hand, due to taking too many prescription medications on purpose, the uncertainty was over in a way is that I didn't know there was a lot of uncertainty is that I, I didn't know what he was going to do next. He was bipolar. So yeah, we never knew really what he was going to come up with. So there was a sense of relief just as my friend has a sense of relief with her sick father passed away. So it's not so much, it's not so much the, the pain, it's our resistance to the pain. It's not so much the uncertainty, it's our resistance to the uncertainty. And I know that sounds a little Pollyanna and, you know, positive thinking and all that kind of thing, but it really does come down to having some awareness over, you know, can I tolerate the uncertainty of this? Can I see the resistance I'm having? Can, can she see the resistance she's having to feeling some relief over her dad's passing because his suffering is over? And to some extent, so is hers because she was suffering because he was suffering. And you don't want to see your parents suffer and struggle like that. I know I certainly didn't. So it's really not so much the event that's happening in our adult lives most of the time that troubles us. It's hearkening back to when we were children and we got into a place where we were uncertain. If we were bullied as a child and we have a bully in our workplace, that takes us back to that 12-year-old grade 6 student who was you know, bullied in class or bullied in school. It takes us back to that moment. And we act from that moment. But the worst part about that is that we don't realize that we've regressed back to a 12-year-old. We believe that we have the wherewithal of our adult selves, which in a way we do, but we just regress back into this place because the amygdala, because it recognizes the same or similar threats and fires us back into that same place, if we're not aware, just takes us back to this place of uncertainty when uncertainty was unbearable and we had no power. But now we have some power. Now we can see that uncertainty with some awareness and realize we can embrace the uncertainty because when you're a victim to uncertainty, anxiety and alarm just gets worse and worse and worse. And I've said this before, I say this in the book, that I had a victim mentality for many years and I've never met anyone with an anxiety disorder who didn't have a victim mentality. It just goes with the territory because anxiety puts you in this survival physiological state where you feel like a victim and then your amygdala takes you back to a place where you were indeed helpless and powerless as a child and we feel that same alarm that we did when we were younger and we don't want to deal with it because it's painful so we go up into our heads we ruminate we worry we distract we do everything we we possibly can to avoid this pain of uncertainty in our bodies and the resistance that goes along with that just magnifies it. So it's not so much what's happening in your life, it's your resistance to what's happening in your life. It's not so much the uncertainty, it's your resistance to the uncertainty. So I guess the, the way of getting out of that on some level is to embrace the uncertainty, even if you're just saying you're embracing the uncertainty. Even if like this feels terrible and, I'll, and it's uncertain and I'm okay with that. Can I look at this uncertainty in a different way? Can I, can I allow the uncertainty to bring up those old feelings in my body? 
can I allow those feelings to just stay present without adding a story to them? Because it's the story that kills us. It's the story that we make up to avoid the resistance, to avoid the uncertainty. We try and make the uncertain certain. And worry is a classic example of trying to make the uncertain certain. If we have something that we're worried about, we're automatically making it true in our heads because our body reacts almost the same way to the thought of the event than the actual event itself. So we create this cycle where we prolong our survival physiology, which keeps us in an alarm state, which keeps us unable to think clearly, which keeps us in resistance, which keeps us in uncertainty and the pain of that. So what do you do to get around it? Well, you notice that it's uncertain. This is uncertain and I can deal with that. This is uncertain and I can handle it. This is uncertain. Can I just sit with the uncertainty and let that be like the the horizon on the water? Just, it's uncertain and I don't have to know. Because the thing about warriors and people with anxieties, they have to know. We have to know. We have to know. And if we don't know, we make up a worry to try and make sense of something that we don't know. Because worry is a way of making sense of what doesn't make sense to us. But the thing about worries, it's always about the future. It's always about the future. Worry is never about something that's already happened. Worry is always about the future. And if the future is uncertain, and uncertainty is something that we rail against as people with anxiety or childhood trauma, we're going to get caught in this loop of anxiety and worry and more uncertainty and more trying to predict the future, which is impossible and frustrating. And if we don't know the future, it's uncertain. So we get more resistance to it, and that changes our physiology. And we just get into this place where we can't get out. And I have been there. I have been frozen in my bed, unable to get up and get into the shower because I was so paralyzed with fear, because I was in this cycle, this alarm anxiety cycle, as I call it. And if you can make friends with uncertainty, if you can make friends with resistance, your life gets so much easier. Because the truth is, we only do have so much power. We only do have so much control in the world. And I know a lot of times it says, well, you can control how you feel. Yes, if you're conscious and you're aware, yeah, you can control how you feel to some extent. But if you're unconscious and you've been thrown back to the, the bullied child, the grade, the grade six who was 12 years old and who was bullied, is not going to have a whole lot of ability to see awareness. So it's bringing yourself into the present moment. It's grounding, orienting feeling your feet on the floor, taking a deep breath, putting your hand on your chest, smelling an essential oil, getting yourself grounded into the present moment so that you're here now. You're no longer back in that grade school anymore. You're present. You're here. And if you make the intention to recognize uncertainty first, recognize resistance when you have it, because worry is basically resistance. It's just a a concretized form of resistance. If you worry about something, you kind of make it less uncertain. That's what happens when you worry about something. That's why we get so sucked into worry, because it makes the uncertain appear certain to us because of what uncertainty was in our childhood, because of the horrible, the horrible nature of uncertainty in our childhood when we were powerless and helpless. So we'll avoid uncertainty at all costs. And then we go into resistance. And once we go into resistance, we go into survival physiology, create more worry, which creates more survival physiology, which aggravates our alarm, which aggravates the worry, and we just get caught in this cycle. So a lot of it is just realizing, hey, this is uncertain, and can I, can I embrace the uncertainty out of that? Because 
If we knew everything that was going to happen in our lives, lives would be pretty dull. So if we can embrace uncertainty and create a pattern of behavior that embraces uncertainty, we're in a much more powerful position. And we, we can do the same thing with resistance. If we see that we're resistant, so we start developing a real intention to find awareness of our resistance and our uncertainty and call it out. I'm resisting here. I'm uncertain here and I'm making a worry to make this uncertainty appear more certain to me. If we can create an awareness around our resistance and our uncertainty, we'll have a lot less anxiety in our lives. And we'll learn, we'll teach our mind and our body that it's okay to look at on that horizon of water and not have to know. Because the left hemisphere of the brain wants to know. It really, really does. And if you've got trauma in your background, that left hemisphere, that analytical overthinking hemisphere really wants to know. And it will really do anything to try and push you into worrying because it gives you the illusion of security. It gives you the illusion of knowing what's going to happen. It minimizes uncertainty and it also avoids some of the resistance because you're flowing into worry. And I hate to use that term flowing into worry because it really isn't a flow at all. It's an automatic old behavior of a, of a thought pattern that you've gotten used to that's helped you, quote unquote, helped you in the past to cope, but you're not a child anymore. You're not a child anymore. You can embrace uncertainty. You can embrace your resistance. And if you embrace uncertainty and resistance, you'll have a whole lot less anxiety in your life and alarm. So that's the episode for this week. I've been really busy with the audiobook, so I'm glad that I'm back into the podcast again because I really love putting this out there as well as Instagram because, like I said, I really don't want you to have to suffer with anxiety the way that I did. So thanks for joining me, and I welcome you back to joining me again to the Anxiety Rx podcast next time. And in the meantime, don't believe everything you think.